0: What up, fam? On this episode of the Snapback Sports Pod, Warren Sharp, football expert, trust me, you'll know what I mean when you hear the episode, joins the Snapback Sports Pod. We also are running a special with him. It is 50% off any package deal on his site, which is sharpfootballanalysis.com. Use the code SHARP50. You'll get that discount. Once you listen to this episode, you will understand why you will want that discount because he is literally the sharpest, smartest guy we've ever talked to about football on this podcast. His insight was incredible. He helps us work on our Thursday People's Pick'Em. So if you want an early winner there, you'll hear that. We talk about Lamar and his evolution as Warren was super early on the baby goat train. And then Is Mahomes Okay?, we really do cover such an awesome gamut of topics. I'm excited for you all to listen to this episode with Warren Sharp. Snapback back, fam. New app. The Baltimore Let's Ravens
1: it. select Lamar Jackson. I'm a Raven. His own. All year. Every year. Jackson takes it himself. Oh! He broke his ankles! the play! Oh! Blocked by James! Auburn's gonna win the football game! Auburn's gonna win the football game! For the Philadelphia Eagles, the long He oh, five. And the Lakers lead.
0: Out. What up, fam? Welcome to another episode of Snapback Sports Pod. We have a special, special guest joining us today. It is Warren Sharp. I was given, you know, all these different descriptions of you, but what is the most genuine description <laughs> of what well, you do? Uh, even today, now, I'm a man of many
1: hats, I guess you could say, um, on the public facing stuff uh i run a sports betting website i share sports betting recommendations fantasy football analysis over at draftfootballanalysis.com um i also work on the private side of things Uh, In a couple different regions, I work with sports betting groups, some of the uh, syndicated betting groups out in Vegas and elsewhere around the world. Now that it's spread a lot more, uh, you can do more things inside of the United States rather than just out in Vegas. Um, I am the source of some of their NFL totals uh, betting um, moves that they make uh, because I'm really good of a really good track record of being accurate on prognostication of total points scored in NFL games. Uh, I exchange information with those guys, get a lot of their recommendations too, and 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 their bets and access to their accounts and things of that nature. Um, so that's like the private area, number one. And then the private area, number two, is I also work for some NFL teams and offense coordinators uh, in an official capacity with certain teams, um, also work privately with certain offensive coordinators and from that respect we're looking to try to optimize their decision making primarily on the offensive side of the ball whether it's strategies in general or specific play calling on tailoring game plans to beat a specific opponent Um, I'm involved heavily in kind of the ideation phase of their game planning leading up to the weekly opponents. So
2: I'm curious because I, too, work in sports gambling. I have for the last two two plus years. It's just an industry I wanted to join because it was up and coming, obviously. In my opinion, it's only in what I like to call the second inning of where it's going, which is crazy because of how big it is. And I've noticed that when I talk to my friends about betting, what we're going to take on a given Sunday, they all come to me for picks, right? Because I work in the industry. I (laughs) quote unquote know how the industry works how the market moves, how lines move. Um, But what they've learned in me giving my picks is that I actually have gotten worse at betting since I've entered the industry. How has (laughs) been working in the industry and focusing so detailed every single day on these lines and these totals affected your personal? Um,
1: Actually, not too much. Now, keep in mind, I've been doing this for, Two decades, right? Like I started this Mm -hmm. building a computer model when I was in college. I studied civil engineering. I graduated with degree a degree in civil engineering. Got my license as a professional engineer, worked in the engineering industry for years while moonlighting on the side, doing sports betting and and tailoring my computer models. So I've been studying the NFL for a long time. This wasn't something that I've just gotten into over the last couple of years. Obviously, the sports betting marketplace has exploded like the boom with the legalization the overturning of PASPA, by the legalization of uh, sports betting. A lot more people are getting into the industry and it does get... More noisy. It is a challenging, um, I guess, space to get into. As you start making more and more connections, you start getting more and more information and intelligence, and you start trying to parse out what do I believe? What does the market want me to believe? What are these other guys that are sharp trying to get me to believe? And so, you know, that could be something like you're going through where your first few years, it's just there's a lot of things coming at you and a lot of sources that you're trying to really try to figure out what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's false. Um, I, I dealt with some of that, you know, a decade ago, and I figured out the the guy, the select guys that I work with. Um, it's a very small group, a very 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 loyal, but very small group of people that I care about what their opinions are, and let that influence my own decision making. And primarily what I'm doing, if you see, you know, in the off season, I'm really active on Twitter, but during the season, I'm really focused on my work. I'm running through models. I'm looking at play by play data. I'm rewatching film. I'm um, studying a lot of the, you know, uh, analytics. I focus a lot on that. So parse things down, you know, first down play calling decision making. So I'm really uh, internalized. And so I don't really listen to a lot of noise. And so my betting really is has been relatively consistent year to year. Uh, now, the one thing I will tell you is that over the last year, let's say, it really has been, like you said, the, the, the second inning of this thing. Um, over the last year, what we've seen is more betting opportunities out there with all the legalized sports books in the U.S. opening up and trying to convert a lot more fantasy players. And so we're seeing a lot more prop bets and different lines that are being set earlier in the week that were never there before and options that were there that were never there before. And so what it's doing is presenting more opportunities uh, that weren't there that you really have to try to look at because there is some value in those things, same game parlay bets and things of that nature, you know, how to attack those. Uh, But in terms of my overall betting, it's, it's still been relatively consistent. Because one other thing is, is different about me than a lot of other guys who are in the sports betting space. All I'm really focusing on is football. So, you know, right now basketball starting up and I guess hockey's still going, you got the world series, you got all these other distractions going on. It's hard to like, focus on all these things. I've never even handicapped basketball. I've never handicapped hockey. I've never handicapped. All I'm doing is NFL, pretty much a little bit of college football, but when your whole focus is, is this, you really get to know the 32 teams, 32 coaches, 32 offense coordinators, and all the different players really well.
2: Yeah, you, you mentioned analyzing your, your betting history and your trends over the last 10 years, and that struck a, a, a chord with me because when I look at my betting history over the last few years, I think there's a blatant, obvious hole in the wall in why I'm doing so bad, and that's just because I keep taking the Eagles' money line <laughs> every single week. And I can't find that distinction between betting value and betting on my team. And that's really what it comes down to. Well, it's
1: a, it, it, you guys had a great 2017. I know you're going to be resting on those laurels for a while. And it, it's good. I mean, look, so many teams are jealous. If, if you're a spoiled brat and you're a Patriots fan who's won all your life, um, you know, then you don't follow this same category. But most people out there are desperate for their team to win a Super Bowl. And if they do, you can live off of that for a number of years. Um, and it is hard. Even even a team like the Kansas City Chiefs this year with the best quarterback in the NFL and one of the best head coaches in the NFL is still f- realizing that it's hard to win, especially when you got gone out and paid a quarterback. So um, every single team deals with it to some extent. And and you guys obviously have been in a rough patch, but hopefully you'll, you've got three potential, like what, top 11 draft picks next year. Um, yeah. So, you know, better, better things ahead, I think, hopefully for you guys. I'm
0: excited to dive into this podcast because there's so many topics that we talked about on our podcast that I know you've covered in depth. So Lamar, Mahomes, we're going to get to all that. But let's start with Thursday Night Football. We've got the Packers at the Cardinals. Devontae Adams reportedly out for the game Abe has come on and since we're almost at the halfway point, he feels like we have enough data and has crowned the Cardinals as his NFC champion. He likes to get ahead of things, uh, maybe sometimes a little early. Warren, are the Cardinals well, first of all, legit? The key from to winning in betting
1: sports is to be early. You'd rather be early than late. For example, you don't want to be buying the Dallas Cowboys after they've covered six games uh, in a row. They haven't had a single ATS loss and think that there's going to be some secret value on the Dallas Cowboys laying less than a field goal on Sunday night football, right? There, you, you don't want to be to the party late when you're betting on sports. You want to be there early. Um, with regard to the Cardinals, this is surprisingly um, I didn't see it coming a very well-rounded team um, you know look they've made a lot of acquisitions in the offseason in the past couple of years and they have the fortune of doing so more teams some teams need to be more aggressive in this respect uh, when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal this is kind of the a skeleton key that unlocks a lot of team wins and a lot of good records around the league is to have that quarterback while he still hasn't been paid his veteran deal his second contract and stack that team with talent because you're severely underpaying him. And right now the Arizona car is severely underpaying Kyler Murray compared to what his production is. And you're allowed to bring on other components around him. They've done a great job of surrounding him with talent. A lot of people in my space have been critical of Clips Kingsbury because this offense does not at all times feel like, a a jigsaw puzzle of pieces that fit well together and play calls that merge well together and and fit cohesively to building a nice puzzle. What it feels like is very disjointed and trying to fit, A bunch of different puzzle pieces from different puzzles together. Call this play. No, let's call this play. What about this concept? Like working all these different things in. It seems very fragmented and not well put together. But they're doing a better job this season of bringing things together. I think they made some great draft picks this season that are contributing to their offensive philosophy. Um, Their weaknesses are few and far between right now, so long as Kyler Murray can stay healthy. We've seen if he gets injured, he's not going to run around as much, which is vital to not only his ability to buy time in the pocket and get the ball down the field, but also scramble when those yards are necessary. And that really is something that a lot of good teams have as a quarterback that can get yards on the ground with his feet when it's needed, uh, because a lot of defenses aren't going to be well-defined or prepared enough to have a player shadow a quarterback that's mobile at all times. So that's something that's really great. If he's healthy, he's going to be able to continue to do those things. They're great at wide receiver. They go out to add Zach Ertz, uh, who is a little bit over the hill, but obviously didn't look so much over the hill in his first game with that big touchdown catch uh, last week. The one thing that's only concerning to me is the run defense. Is not great. And so if you find them losing or trailing, I think other teams are going to have a little bit of success running the football against the Cardinals. Secondly, along those lines, their explosive run defense ranks 32nd in the NFL. So they're allowing the biggest explosive gains, which is something to look for on Thursday night. Aaron Jones, his longest rushing attempt, I believe it's 15 and a half yards for his longest attempt. You may want to look to go over that total because there might be a couple of runs that Aaron Jones can bust on the Cardinals and, and exceed 16 yards.
0: Abe, that's the analysis we need, not just you and I staring <laughs> at a screen and trying to pick stuff. So now that now that we have one, we want to take advantage. Uh, going into tomorrow night, obviously, Like we said, Adam's probably out. We've prepared some props for you that we want your take on. You bet totals a lot, and I think most sharp bettors... Claim that the props are actually pretty strong positions to take as well, uh, depending on the situation. So, is that accurate? Before we get into the, there props? is value, prop value in props. It prop is betting? a
1: challenging market, but if you specialize in it, you can really excel um, and exceed expectations for sure. The hardest thing in betting NFL is beating sides. Right, Cardinals minus six and a half, uh, Packers plus six and a half. You know, this line was down at four earlier in the week has now moved up like beating sides is much more difficult beating totals you know how many total points will be scored in this game it opened at what i'm looking at my odd screen uh open at 52 and a half 53 is down to 50 and a half now with the announcement of Devonte adams alan lazar being out for this game um and that is a lot easier of a market to beat for for me at least that's where i specialize that's easier to beat props Is just as easy to beat as totals, if not more so, if you specialize in it and are really good. And we have seen a number of guys that, you know, enter the space with models built to try to beat fantasy football and DFS specifically that have done well betting on player props.
0: Okay. All right. Well, Abe's first selection, we do every week, we do a people's pick We take four picks. It goes back to our college days. Abe came and visited me down in Texas. We hit a parlay. We bet 33 bucks. We won 1000 And when you're in college, you win a $1,000 parlay. King of, king of you know, the world. It's yeah. pretty much the time of your life, right? <laughs> king of the world. Um, so, so we like to do that every week. We give it back to the fans and we kind of ride it together. So his first pick for the week Aaron Jones over 62 and a half rush yards. You talked about the explosiveness. Is that okay with a potential bad game script for Jones? Do you still like my that rationale before you jump
2: into it? My rationale wasn't, I didn't look too much into the Arizona run defense, which I probably should have, but me being the retail better that I am, even <laughs> though I work in the industry, sometimes I go with my gut. Sometimes I just go with the major news, but I looked at the Packers. I see Devontae Adams being out And I think the Packers try and slow this game down and try and control that clock. And that's where I like Aaron Jones here.
1: Yeah. You do have diametric opposites here because the Arizona Cardinals are the fourth fastest team in the NFL and the green Bay Packers are the third slowest team in the NFL. You're going to be okay because they're going to be running the football more often than typical. This is typical for the green Bay Packers, the 11th most pass heavy team in the first half of games. However, if they fall behind in the second half, you're going to move to a much more pass-heavy, uh, sorry, run-heavy game script. Uh, sorry. If they fall behind in the second half, they're going to be passing the ball a lot more, and that's going to limit the opportunities late in games. So if you're looking at this one, what you sort of want to parse out is how often is Aaron Jones getting rushing attempts in the first half versus in the second half when Green Bay, which has a good record on the season, is typically running out the clock, trying to easily win games. Here they're going to be playing from behind, most likely. The the spread on the game indicates as much, and so they're not going to be able to run it as much. I'm not going to necessarily take the under on this bet What I do really like in this game, however, is the over on Aaron Jones receiving yards. The Arizona Cardinals struggle a little bit. They're really good at defending wide receivers, tight ends. They're number two pass defense in the NFL, but they actually rank, uh, what is it? 16th in defending running back passes and the green Bay Packers rank second in the NFL in efficiency when they're throwing the football to running backs. And so I like Aaron Jones receiving yards prop over, especially without the weapons at wide receiver. And especially because you're never going to shift away from that game script. You're not going to have the situation where you're uh, trailing in the second half and not going to run the football. You're just going to be throwing more passes and that's going to lead to more Aaron Jones targets because they're down all these wide receivers. So I prefer Aaron Jones receiving yards, but I'm not looking to take the under on his rushing yards.
2: And, and in a spot like this, where right. yeah, where we both sense. like something involving Aaron Jones, how much do you factor in uh, A.J. Dillon props here, right? Because we have saw his workload increase over the last few weeks, and he's really becoming a part of that Packer offense. And I would have taken a little bit of an A.J. Dillon prop on underdog, but I don't think... They have him up yet. So what are your thoughts on AJ Dillon and, and his potential usage in this
1: game? Yeah, I haven't seen his numbers out there either. So I can't really comment because I don't know what they're going to be. But in game script situations, I think what AJ Dillon is going to become a factor here sooner rather than later in terms of more opportunities. But in this specific game, when you're Aaron Rodgers and you're down your top two receivers at at a minimum. We don't know who else is going to be announced out. It's still only Wednesday. We don't know exactly who else is going to be announced out by game time. Um, You're really going to want to rely on the guys that you trust the most, that you have the most belief in. And I think that's where uh, we've got the opportunities for Aaron Jones more so than Dylan. Plus we're not probably going to have the second half garbage time where you want to rest Aaron Jones a little bit more. So Dylan is a factor and he does take away certain stop counts from Jones, but I still think that in this specific game, Jones would be the guy that you would want to be more invested in.
2: It's way better, way that better analysis sense. on right. running backs than Jack and I last week. Looking at the Browns game and betting on <laughs> Dearness Johnson under, because blatantly we said, Who is Dearness <laughs> Johnson? And that's the only <laughs> rationale we had behind it. Well, it, that's exactly right. Opportunities, it's opportunities. What we know what, about studying football
1: is it doesn't always matter who the guy is, what his pedigree is, what his background is. What matters is how good is that offensive line and what is the potential game script here? And, you know, a lot of people were selling Case Keenum and the Browns offense last week, but we knew that Case Keenum is not that big of a downgrade from a already beaten up a little bit Baker Mayfield. And that offensive line, is doing good work. And if they are able to hold a lead, you're going to get a lot of opportunities. So uh, I think that selling him last week was probably what a lot of people were doing. Like, who the hell is this guy? What is he going to do here? And I can't tell you the amount of public action that was coming in on the Denver Broncos last week just because of the Browns have no running backs. Their receivers are down. Their quarterback is down. Like, we don't like the Browns here. And everybody was backing uh, Teddy Bridgewater and the Denver Broncos on the road on a short week.
0: Yeah. Okay. My first pick, Rondale Moore, over 32.5 receiving yards. How I'm very curious how you look at a team that spreads the ball so much, especially with Ertz now. It feels like every single game they have seven passing options to go to, even with the backs. They loved Rondale early in the season, they've gotten away from him the last two weeks. He is explosive. What do you think about more? He's a tough one. You,
1: made, you laid out the case exactly why you would have a little apprehension in going with Moore just because there are so many weapons. And if they have a lead, then they might be running the football even more in the second half, and that's what they've been able to do lately. I personally believe that they need to get Rondell Moore more integrated into this offense because of his explosiveness and the upside, his ability to break off chunk yards, um the more that you work him in the more headaches it's going to give opposing defensive coordinators the more things they're going to start to prepare for which gives you more flexibility as an offense and different things that you can then do because they're spending a lot of time trying to figure out how we're going to defend Rondell Moore and he really is such a unique talent and his uh his skill set his measurables his peak performance is incredible so um I I've li- like, this is the perfect square play. Like I like Rondell Moore. I think the green Bay Packers defense sucks. I'm going to go ahead and bet the over on Rondell Moore because <laughs> I like him and he's got the talent and I can't argue with any of that. Um, I haven't modeled out exactly how much I think Rondell Moore is going to factor into this game. So unfortunately I'm going to have to sit neutral on that one, but the, the talent is there. I do think Cliff needs to get him a little bit more involved.
0: Yeah, if we trusted Cliff like we all want to, then I think we, like, he should involve him, but it's Cliff Kingsbury for a reason. Abe, you wanted no, no, Zach no, no, no. Ertz, actually. I'm going
2: go to I'm gonna stick with my gut. My third play was <laughs> Kyler over 300 passing yards. And I think, and I thought about total,
0: total yards, yards, total oh, yards to get the rushing Because, too. like you
2: said, that Packers defense is not good. That Packers defense is giving up some of the most touchdowns in the league to wide receivers. The Packers offense, on the other hand, is decimated and are probably not going to dominate the time of possession. And that defense is going to be on the field a lot and very tired. And that's why I like Kyler in this position. What do you think?
1: So Kyler's in a perfect position. Let me tell you some scary statistics about the Green Bay Packers uh, okay. if you're a Packers fan. So this is going to play into your favor. Not scary for you. Halloween's coaching. Scary to all the cheeseheads out there. <laughs> the Green Bay Packers defense ranks – ninth worst in the NFL, it's pretty terrible. They have played the number one easiest schedule of opposing offenses. If you look at the offenses that this team has played, they've played the Detroit Lions. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers. They played Jameis Winston and the Saints, which offense that only ranks 20th. I know the the Saints have a good overall record, but they only rank 20th. They've played the Chicago Bears. They've played the Washington football team. They have not played a good schedule of opposing offenses. The easiest in the NFL and they still rank ninth worst. So no doubt about it, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to pick apart this defense if you're Kyler Murray. You're going to, I mean, they're down Jair Alexander. They're down uh, multiple other players on that secondary. It's, It's going to be a cakewalk for Kyler Murray to throw the football through the air. The only issue you have to try to figure out is game script when they're up big early, if that's the case. And if you're buying Arizona minus six and a half, how much are they going to be throwing the ball in the fourth quarter? And on a short week, Kyler, you know, you would want to look a little bit into his injury and his practice reports and all of that, because he was banged up a little bit, but he certainly looked more than capable over the last couple of games. Despite that he wasn't running the football quite as much. Um, And so in that specific instance, maybe you would want to, gravitate a little bit more to just his passing yards over uh which i want to say is like 265 something in that neighborhood when you add the rushing in i guess it eclipsed 300 Mm -hmm. but i certainly wouldn't be looking to fade kyler murray in the spot against this defense sounds like
2: if you're a green bay packer fan warren is selling a lot of your (laughs) stock and you can probably turn this episode off right now (laughs)
0: <laughs> I I don't think he's wrong. I mean, Washington could have easily won on Sunday. They were throwing up on themselves in the red zone. It was the
1: most, it must have thought they were made you feel points. ill, oh, Warren. They, well, I can tell you, yeah, Taylor Heineke, he, okay, he grew up going to Green Bay Packers games. He wears number four because he's a huge <laughs> Brett Favre fan. He wanted to win. They were definitely not trying to shave points there. This Washington football team is desperate for a victory, but you're 100% correct. The Green Bay Packers covered that spread, but there was no chance that they were the right side in that game. Absolutely. The right side did not cover that game. Yeah. Washington should have been able to score more points and cover that spread. It was unfortunate for anybody who backed Washington. they didn't they definitely deserved to.
0: Yeah, okay. Final selection. and I feel like we've gotten besides the rondale, we're we're kind of a line Jones receiving or his usage. We love Kyler. Aaron Rodgers line 260 and a half passing yards. The game script would tell us that they're going to be down. I know no Devante and Lazard, but to your point, it's really about opportunities and the opportunity here is Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball a lot, trailing a football game. That yeah, seems like so a good for opportunity. this one,
1: I'm going to have to play the neutral card once again, only because we really haven't seen very many games where Aaron Rodgers has been a six-and-a-half-point underdog. Typically speaking, when the Green Bay Packers are underdogs of this spread, Aaron Rodgers is not playing. So in a game script, you know we have seen, and this is unfortunate, but we have seen a number of games coached by Matt LaFleur over the last several years where the Packers are getting their ass kicked and they just sit down Aaron Rodgers in the third middle of the third quarter, late in the, in the third quarter, and just accept the L and move on with their life. And he's been outclassed in San Francisco. Uh, I believe it happened down in Tampa Bay. Like There's been situations where this team just gets down, and they're just like, okay, we're going to wave the white flag. So I don't really know um, how he's performed in games where he's forecasted to lose. Uh, but certainly I don't think he's probably been a dog of this many points in a number of years. Mm-hmm. And it all sounds right. What you're saying, right? Like they're going to have to be passing the football and Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. So he doesn't have his number one out there. And he doesn't have his number two. Well, there's still guys that are going to walk out onto the field and going to suit up and run the routes that he's looking for. And they're, he's still going to have to throw the football to these guys. It's on them to catch it. But if they catch it with the game state, them playing from behind he's going to go over this yardage number but I'm not running to the window to bet it uh until I do a little bit more research on what he's done in situations that are close to this because I don't like I said I don't think we've seen anything similar to this before right
0: I like that angle yeah I mean even week one you would have thought he'd throw for a ton of yards when they were down to the Saints by multiple touchdowns but they waved the white flag all right, so we've got our Thursday night football covered. We want to move into some more general topics, and there's literally no better place to start than a conversation, Abe, that I think has been loading for three years now. Something Is that like accurate? That. Should I just go for this? So, w- you yeah, you should you just leave, leave and, and let Warren I let Warren I have a have a time. But uh, I told you I'm a Ravens fan, obviously, and I know that you were about as early as you could be on Lamar Jackson. I was equally as early. I just didn't fully believe it. Like, I I had to spew it because I run a big sports social media page and I'm a Ravens fan. But you actually would pull data and show people how good Lamar was and how good he is. You said Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. You said Lamar had a chance to win the MVP a couple years ago. Are you still shocked? Because I'm still shocked at how much better Lamar is getting game by game, year by year. What like put in perspective for people, how good Lamar is. Well, it's really hard to, I mean,
1: I can tell you it's, it wasn't all that prescient how I approached the uh, breakout for Lamar, his first true season starting. My, my logic was quite simple Joe Flacco was taking all the reps in camp that year. I think it was 2017. He was taking all the reps in camp mm-hmm. uh, as the number one quarterback. Lamar was not expected to do very much. When Lamar gets thrust in there due to a Joe Flacco injury, the offense intelligently changed up everything that they were doing to go with this run-heavy approach. Uh, but they only had a few games left in the regular season. And then they met the the Chargers, who had a great defensive uh Approach to trying to deal with that style of offense. And Lamar was not equipped to just play from behind and throw the football a lot. And so they looked quite silly in that game. And it was unfortunate, became a laughing stock. The, the early exit in the wild card round, losing at home to the Chargers. And I just knew that because they bought in so much to Lamar and were willing to do these wholesale changes on offense, middle of the season, that they were absolutely going to continue to develop that offense. And one of the things I preach to different coaches around the league is one of the best ways to win games is to do something different and do it really well. And for a while, we saw Bill Belichick with 21 personnel and the full back in there. Of course they had Tom Brady, that helps. But defending Lamar Jackson in this Ravens offense was always going to be very tricky for defenses because you don't play a team like this at any one of your 16 games back in 2018, the year you won MVP. And then all of a sudden you're going up against this team. How are you going to like all of a sudden, concoct a perfect defense to slow this team down but we knew that they couldn't play from behind really well he wasn't adept at throwing the football now we're seeing this uh, ability to pass more from the pocket and he and and the the reality here is it's been necessitated due to the way defenses are playing him last season if you break down the reality of how defenses started playing lamar jackson t- two years ago the year after he won the mvp They were intent on trying to stop the run. Last year, they said, we don't care if you run the football with your running backs. What we're going to do is try to slow down Lamar on the ground. We're going to overplay Lamar keeping the ball to try to force him to throw the ball. And so this year, the only real answer that the Ravens had was Lamar needs to work on his ability to throw the ball from the pocket. Maybe he extends plays a little bit he needs to work on his passing ability down the field. And I think the other thing that people don't realize that still factors into this discussion right now is how young Lamar Jackson was all these statistics that I was mentioning. I went on the Colin coward show and everything before that 2018 season, (laughs) where I was really caping for Lamar to win this thing, uh, to win the MVP and for the Ravens to do well in that season was because um, he was so young. I mean, he is super young compared to what people expected a second year quarterback to be. Um, And so He's really developing and maturing. And a lot of these skills, like in Louisville, he didn't have to do all of this, right? Like he didn't have to uh, throw the ball. He could use his natural God-given abilities to run and scramble and, and and make plays with his legs. Now he's being forced to, by the way, defenses are playing, make plays through it with his arms. And finally, the Ravens are adding these receiving weapons to the mix right it's if you look at the talent that he's had to work with compared to Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady in Tampa it's laughable the talent that Lamar has had the last couple of years at the receiver position um it's still below average like Mark Andrews is is obviously growing to be a stud at the tight end position but the weapons at the receiver position and who he's got at the running back position of course defenses are like hand the ball off. We don't care what any of these running backs try to do, right? Like you're going to have to, you're going to have to beat us with those guys or your arm. And Lamar's made Lamar's doing that. And it's really impressive to continue to watch his development.
2: Right. And Jack and I talk about Lamar Jackson a lot because Jack has been screaming this from the mountaintops for years and years and years. <laughs> and I have quote unquote, been a Lamar Jackson hater, but I'm not a Lamar Jackson <laughs> hater. I'm a Jack settlement hater. There's a big distinction between the two, but <laughs> you don't want your, friend, you don't want that's... your
1: friend to have a, a franchise quarterback. You don't want him. Uh, Warren, your Warren, you're
2: no. Warren, you're new to the snapback sports podcast. That's what we built this thing on is, is hating each other's <laughs> happiness. But so Lamar's criticisms and Lamar's critics, they're still out there, right? You saw it in the chiefs game. Like a bonehead interception in the end zone where it's like, that's the worst I've ever saw. You saw it against the Chargers a few weeks ago where he literally threw it to the linebacker right in the middle of the field. Are the criticisms of Lamar Jackson at this point after all he's done, he got over the playoff hump, he won a playoff game, he won an MVP. Are they fair or is it fair to just call these people that are criticizing Lamar flat out haters?
1: Well, here's the problem. You, you guys know from being in, in your space and a lot of the other spaces that I've seen you in on the forefront of a lot of different projects and, and ideas that, that are out there, you have to constantly reframe and rethink different things. If you just stick to what you previously thought and stick to your priors and clutch them like pearls, you will never develop the ability to be on the forefront of whether it's Lamar or any other players that are out there, you have to be ready to change your beliefs. The problem with so many of the Lamar Jackson haters are they hated him starting his 2017 season where he was running the football and they hated uh, when, when he lost in that first playoff game, they became haters and said, he can't do anything. And they've never admitted that he's grown a lot and he's developed more and he's become better in different areas. They've just hated him from day one. And they're not willing, they're binomial. They're not willing to realize that every quarterback has shades of gray and admit that what Lamar does in some circumstances is brilliant. And just because he does uh, has a boneheaded play here or there does not make him terrible. It's ironic because those same people that absolutely hate on Lamar Jackson think Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. And yet you see some of those interceptions that he's throwing the one against the Washington football team. Was it two weeks ago where he's getting sacked and just throws the lollipop straight into the air to a defender who's standing less than 10 yards away, who just easily grabs it. I mean, if Lamar Jackson does that, those people are rolling on the ground, laughing, saying, I told you so. And then when Patrick Mahomes does it, they say, (laughs) man, his offensive line needs to get some better protection for him, right? Like it can't be both things. And so um, any good analyst, myself, included is going to say, yeah, there's things Lamar needs to work on. And the good thing is though, we're seeing him work on those things and we're seeing him develop. He could stand to have a little bit better of an offensive line and better receivers. He himself needs to continue to improve. Um, This is a guy who obviously this is a team built to play from ahead. Patrick Mahomes, that's a totally different team. They are built to play from behind, although they're not doing a good job of it now. And you can tell the teams that are better at playing from ahead versus behind by the simple fact is, what is their general pass rate on early downs? Because if you're a run first team like the Ravens are, you will never be a great play from behind team. I don't care. How good your quarterback is because it's something different that you're suddenly having to flip the switch and go from 55 to 60% run. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to go 80% pass because we're down. That's a very difficult switch to flip. Whereas, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills and you're a 60% plus pass team, 62, 63% plus pass team, You're down by 13, 14 points. No big deal. We're just passing the ball 75, 80% of the time, but we're used to doing that. And so it's a lot easier for those types of teams. So that's why everybody thinks, oh, Lamar, he stinks. He can't come back in games. Well, that's because that's not what this offense is built to do. And I know people are saying, well, they're not built to do it because Lamar's not good at it. They don't want him passing the ball that often. They want him running ball. No. The Ravens know, like against the Indianapolis Colts, where he could throw the ball if they really need him to, he could push the ball down the field and be effective, but they're going to win games easier by running the ball because they can do that. And defenses aren't as prepared to handle that. Defenses are used to playing pass. They're not as used to playing the rushing attack of the Baltimore Ravens. So Baltimore's smart for being a more run first team. um, But it does put them in these situations where they have to change their identity late in games. Yeah, I was going to ask,
0: you know, you're you kind of have to build thinking about your competitors in the AFC and the Chiefs and Bills being two of those teams. Does that put them at a long term disadvantage, knowing that they're not going to play every game from ahead? I mean, I'll say this last year, Lamar looked horrible against Buffalo, but people forget he had two chances. The best kicker in the history of the world missed two field goals. That'll probably never happen again. And you were going to be in a scenario where the Ravens were going to lead against an awful rushing defense, but it just didn't happen. And then we fell into a pass offense on first down, like you're talking about. Does that put the Ravens at a disadvantage, knowing that they won't always be leading? It does.
1: It does. There's no doubt about it. Um, Look, that game you're specifically referring to last season uh, against the Bills in the playoffs, that game had weather conditions with strong wind that absolutely... Hurt yes, your kicker, but it hurt the Buffalo Bills offense because they were a pass first offense. They wanted to throw the ball a ton. And it's hard to do that when you're getting winds of 20 plus miles per hour with gusts even higher than that. So it was a disadvantage for them. Uh they were able to make enough plays defensively to then force the Ravens to have to throw the ball. And then you're throwing the ball into the wind, which is something Baltimore didn't want to do. So pre-flop. There is no doubt the weather conditions in that game absolutely favored the Baltimore Ravens because Buffalo wasn't going to be able to pass it as much in Baltimore just wants to run the football. Um, but you know, that, that was a game, a couple mistakes here or there, the, the the final result could have been flipped pretty easily.
0: Okay. So we call it the window on this podcast and I've heard you hint at it multiple times already today. The window is that beautiful time where you are not paying your franchise quarterback, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, and not Josh Allen and the Bills. Maybe that hasn't fully caught up to the Bills yet because they just recently did it. But the Mahomes stuff is interesting. So I'm just going to toss you a softball. Is Patrick Mahomes okay? And then give us the real analysis on why maybe things aren't as great in Kansas City. Yeah. So actually,
1: this still, technically speaking, because you really have to look at the contracts, is still a window for the Chiefs because they actually aren't allocating much cap space to Patrick Mahomes this year. His big cap hit kicks in next season. So this was really like the final year for them to have a lot of success without having the ha- being hamstrung by his contract. What we're seeing this year is unique because we're seeing a defense that – is being cut open by even the worst offenses in the league, right? Like this defense is bad, bad, bad. And the Eagles put 30 on them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now the Eagles are great at their first script of the game, nothing, and and garbage time. So like, if you get rid of the first script and garbage time, not quite as good, but even the Eagles are putting up points against this defense. Um, it's, it's a problem. They're the, wor- the, the one of the big issues for them. Granted, they've been without Chris Jones for a while, who is a good run stuffer and helps hold up that defensive line a little bit. He just came back last week. But one of the issues is they have among the worst linebacking cores in the NFL. These linebackers are really weak. And so tight ends can take advantage of them. And the other thing that they struggle with is play action. They are the most sensitive defense in the NFL to play action because the linebackers know they're undermatched and or they're overmatched. And The team struggles to stop the run up front. So when you give the illusion of sticking the ball into the belly of the running back, those linebackers bite on that hard because they know that they need to fill and they need to help that defensive line, slow down the run game. And then that just leads to so much being open over the top of those linebackers. So they're horrible against play action, which Tennessee utilized magically to their advantage last week, even though Tennessee's run game, I mean, if you guys were betting on any Derrick Henry overs, right, you're probably disappointed because Tennessee's run game really didn't do a whole lot here. Kansas City did a good job of limiting it, but it was the play action stuff, the third down passing that really screwed up the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Why I'm spending so much time talking about their defense is because that just puts a lot more pressure onto the shoulders of the offense, and specifically Patrick Mahomes. This is a pass first offense that now knows our defense can't do shit. And we might be playing <laughs> from a hole the whole game, and the only way we're ever going to get ahead is we need to keep scoring touchdowns every single drive because we know that that other team could has the potential to come back and score on us every every single drive that they have. Um, and Patrick Mahomes made a quote about, you know, I know I can't score fourteen points on every single drive, every single pass I make can't be. Able to score. 14-point touchdown pass. Like I've got to play within my means a little bit more. There are a lot of things that defenses are doing against Patrick Mahomes now that they weren't doing before. Um, and it's a copycat league. And those things include not blitzing him because he was the number one quarterback against the blitz in NFL history. So teams wisened up, and they even wisened up so much that when the Baltimore Red- Ravens played these guys earlier this season. Wink Martindale, the Baltimore defense coordinator, is known league-wide for having the most blitz-happy defense. He ranked number one in blitz rate every single year that he was defense coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. And he completely changed his stripes because every year that he played, Patrick Mahomes blitzed the hell out of him. And Patrick Mahomes was always beating him over the top. That's why the Chiefs always scored points against the Baltimore Ravens, had a lot of success. Last game, as you know, Jack, they did not blitz and that and Patrick Mahomes really was stumped by the not blitzing thing now they still scored a fair number of points but that was a big time problem for them. defenses league wide saw that and like we're not going to blitz this guy the other thing they're doing is they're playing this shell defense which keeps everything in front we're not going to get beat by Tyree kill over the top anymore you want to beat us with Tyree kill throw four or five, six yard air, air yard passes to him. You can do that. We'll try to come up and tackle him. We're not going to get beat by that one or two deep passes over the top that swings the course of this game. And there's a combination of Patrick Mahomes, not loving to play that way because he knows his arm talent and where he can fit the ball. And so he wants to try to push the envelope a little bit and there's combination of him knowing how bad his defense is and feeling like they've got to be perfect on this drive and 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 he can't afford to take a sack he can't afford to make mistakes the other thing too is like a lot of the stuff that Patrick Mahomes was doing in the past isn't working quite as well because of the way the defenses are playing like as you know Patrick Mahomes takes really deep drops like super deep drops oftentimes well that puts a lot of stress on the tackles to hold up in coverage when you're when you're way behind where you're supposed to be the rushers can just take wider angles and get to the quarterback a little bit easier. And theoretically, you would think Patrick moments could get the ball out really quick because maybe they need to run some shorter routes. But the problem is he's still holding onto the ball a fair amount of, of the time. One of the things that I would advise the Kansas City Chiefs to do if I was talking to them would be to figure out a better way to realize the weaknesses of the defenses that you are playing. There are three teams in the NFL that, have the lightest box counts against them on average. And by box counts, I mean, your listeners probably know this, but a seven-man box, like four down linemen, three linebackers, vice versa, it's more typical of the four down linemen. That's a seven-man box. That's the average box count. Light box counts have like six men typically in the box. And that leaves an extra guy in coverage that puts an extra guy in the secondary to help with the pass plays. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles, ironically, have the that's light a good, that's a good group to be in. <laughs> have the lightest box counts on average. And so the problem with that is that now there's more guys in the secondary. It's harder to be efficient passing the ball when the defense is already playing the pass with a light box count. You have to figure out a way to take advantage of that. The two ways are you either run them out of it by having efficient gains on the ground or you just pass dink and dunk nickel and dime your way down the field, staying efficient, trying to avoid third downs. You're not going to hit the explosive over the top, but you've got to stay out of third downs average about five and a half, six yards per pass attempt and avoid those third downs and march to the football down the field. Those are the two ways that you're going to get those defenses to either start playing more men in the box, which then you can have some better success over the top. And right now it feels like the chiefs are reluctant to do that. They want to just try to keep operating their offense as standard and, and, Previous to last week's game, we saw this Chiefs offense was incredible. I mean, I don't, the the turnovers are really hurting them, but this was a team that prior to last week's game, had 14 turnovers, which by far led the NFL, but they were still number five in points per game offensively at 31 points per game. There was no other team in the top five of points per game that even had more than six or seven turnovers. The chiefs had 14. They had the lowest punt rate of any team in the NFL. They had 40% of their offensive drives scored touchdowns. No other team was above 34%. So this offense prior to last week where things did look a lot different last week may, looked a lot worse prior to that. They were on pace to be a extremely efficient, highly productive offense. They just needed to fix their turnovers, Uh, but they now, I believe, need to make some changes with their philosophy to try to get these defense, try to attack the weaknesses of the lighter boxes, and get those defenses to start respecting some of the shorter stuff.
2: So, so one last thing on the Chiefs. At the end of the day, it's week eight or week seven, whatever it is. They're three and four. Those four losses have come to the Ravens, the Bills the Titans and the chargers four of let's say the top six, seven teams coming into this year from people thought would have a good year. There are glaring issues on the team, but at the end of the day, they do have Andy Reid, They do have Tyreek Hill. They do have Travis Kelsey and they do have Patrick Mahomes is Warren sharp officially hitting the panic button on the chiefs or can they figure this thing out and become the chiefs that we've known them to be for the last few years?
1: They I'm not hitting the panic button. I'm very concerned about their defense but I believe their offense just needs a couple small tweaks and they'll be just fine. I think the offense can be just fine. Patrick Mahomes needs – like Andy Reid, he, he made the comment even after last week's game. He said, this game against the Titans, I started to see a couple things that I didn't see before, and we'll make those corrections and we'll fix it. Um, that's the same type of stuff that I was looking at. Last week's game felt a little bit different offensively. If they could tweak those things, the only thing slowing down this offense – is turnovers. And I think that's a lot of Mahomes playing a little bit more within himself, not trying to run around that. If you're only throwing the ball five or six yards down the field, you don't need to buy six seconds in the pocket, scrambling around and trying to throw an off off a uh, balanced pass, uh, you know, to the middle of the field when you're on the right hash, like just take what the defense is giving you complete these short passes, play more like, uh, a, a, a limited quarterback until the defenses <laughs> start to play you differently
0: yeah
2: yeah so before we let you go i wanted to transition to one other topic and this has become in the light in the last few years as analytics gets brought more into football and you're obviously a big analytics guy when it comes to coaching how important is it to find a balance between going with what the spreadsheet and the computer says in terms of going for it different pass versus run situations versus evaluating the actual game situation that a that a computer can account for or an eye test, if you will? And who are some of the best coaches at bal- in the NFL at balancing, having the perfect balance between using analytics and when to go for it and when not versus just evaluating the
1: situation on the field? Well, I think that there is evaluation the situation on the field, but you, I, I'm more of a believer in the analytics, obviously. And I think the analytics can account for a lot of that. But um, the analyst can account for is like what your player just told you on the sideline, like how confident he is in something or right. what the, what, what secondary guy just got injured the play before that and how you might want to try to attack them on a certain play. If we're talking more than just go not go on fourth down situations um, like those are, those are factors that you need to factor into like the go, not go, but in general, you know, trusting uh, the, the numbers of what they tell you to like come up with a game plan or the weakness is a defense, how to attack what your strengths are. I still don't think teams are using the numbers enough. Um, and there are a lot of opportunities for defenses for, for offenses rather to utilize the data more in their strategies figuring out what their team needs to tweak a little bit. There are so many coaches. I know Doug Peterson just had an interview uh, the other week on a podcast, and he talked about the fact that a lot of times offenses don't really have the chance to make these wholesale changes until the bye week. We just saw, I'm really going to be fascinated to watch this Chargers game against the New England Patriots. Brandon Staley is the guy that you might be alluding to who has been going forward a lot more on fourth down and has been a little bit more in the forefront of this forward-thinking, coaching young guys that are utilizing data a little bit more and willing to go forward and put their team at risk a little bit more from like the old-school dinosaurs who are a lot more scared of that. But the one thing that Brandon Staley's team was doing was – they weren't aggressive enough on early downs. If you look at the average target depth for Justin Herbert, it was extremely short on first and second down. They knew that Justin Herbert was so good on third downs that they didn't want to make enough mistakes early on. Let's just get him to third down. He can convert these third downs. And if not, we'll go for it on fourth. down. we got an extra opportunity here. And then we'll just keep marching the ball down the field like that. The problem with that is it's extremely inefficient to always rely upon converting on third or fourth downs. And they ran in, two right before their buy, one of the best third down defenses in the NFL and the Baltimore Ravens. And so boom, that strategy goes out the window. When you go up against the team, that's going to be great at getting pressure and limiting your opportunity to pass the ball down the field on third downs. And so there's no doubt that there's an element of incorporating analytics into everything that you're doing. But Brandon Staley made the comment during the bye week that we're going to sit back and reevaluate everything that we've been doing to try to get more, he even used the word prolific on early downs because it's hard to convert on these third downs. What was ironic to me about that whole situation is that the way that Brandon Staley, who's a former defense coordinator, is a defensive-minded coach with the Rams, he wants to force you into third downs as a defense. He wants to build a roof on top of your offense. He wants to keep you from getting explosive plays. He wants to force you to march the ball down the field, converting all the time on third downs because it's an inefficient way to play offense. And yet that's what his own offense was doing. And he doesn't come out Mm -hmm. until week seven, you know, the bye week before week seven, and makes these comments. That's because a lot of these teams aren't doing accurate enough self-scouting every single week. Some of the stuff that I work on with teams is giving them more self-scouting information at their fingertips after each game. So after the third and fourth and fifth games, we can identify different things that that team needs to adjust a little bit because far too often, even in today's football, Brandon Staley this year, uh, Doug Peterson made the comment, teams aren't changing things or really evaluating things closely enough until the bye week So I still believe that we have a long way to go with incorporating analytics deeply enough into figuring out the way to optimize our strategies offensively. We are getting closer every single year. We are absolutely on the right track. The NFL is becoming more efficient every single year that goes by as more data gets incorporated into it. There absolutely is an element on certain fourth down situations where You're going to want to see what your quarterback is feeling, or you're going to want to identify what that defensive weaknesses are. But more and more teams are just trusting the numbers and it's making for more enjoyable football for all of us fans. What I gather from that is 99% of teams
0: just need to be more aggressive. And the Chiefs are so ahead of the curve. They've been so aggressive that they actually need to tone it down because they've got the defense on their heels. So it is interesting I feel like you're in the boat of most teams just need to be more aggressive. They need to throw more on early downs. They need to be more aggressive on fourth downs. They need to just play a more. They're they're so uh, obsessed with playing safe, and every number theoretically shows that's probably not the right way. We've got a couple quick hitters for you, and then we can get you out of here. Bills at Titans, fourth and one. Abe, for whatever reason. Oh, that was a joke, All right. Some people out there think kick the field goal. I assume for you, that's an easy go.
1: That is. It's an unfortunate play call. The quarterback sneaked it earlier in the game. Josh Allen Mm -hmm. went to his left. The defense had already seen that. He obviously also slipped. Um, There had been a slightly different play call that I would have preferred, but the go decision was correct.
0: Okay. Marshawn Lynch is your tailback and you throw the ball on... I guess it was second down in the Super Bowl. How do you feel
1: about that decision? I know there are people out there who agreed with that decision. I think one of the things that analytics has shown us. Jack, (laughs) I
0: I was pro throw. I get the thought process.
1: So (laughs) what analytics has taught us though, is that runs inside of the red zone, there are certain times that you want to run the football primarily isolated. If you're not talking about a quarterback runs short yardage situation, or inside the red zone. Why inside the red zone? Because especially if you spread the field with receivers, it's very difficult for those defenders that are on the line to get up there quickly enough to slow down the run game. And you have higher efficiency oftentimes running from spread formations in the red zone, than you do passing. And so my, my thought at the time, and obviously in retrospect, now I still believe that they should have run Marshawn Lynch, but um, you know, I, I, I don't, they don't necessarily hate the the decision to throw the football, but um, it was just a great play by the Patriots, and they were prepared for it. We saw the how they had practiced against yeah. that earlier. It, it was just one of those Bill Belichick things. You just chalk it up to him being a great coach, but I personally would have preferred the run.
0: Abe, what's your quick hitter for Warren? I got two.
2: Dallas Cowboys, contenders or pretenders?
1: Contenders. Uh, I oh. have been more impressed by the play calling this season than I thought I was going to be. They are working so much into the offense right now. And they seemingly mm-hmm. can utilize 11 personnel to spread you out. They can also attack with 12 personnel. They could throw the ball to the tight ends. They obviously have the receiving threats. The run game is efficient. They're giving Dak Prescott adequate pass protection. And what do we know? We know that By and large, offense is what win games. I don't think their defense has been tested enough to know how well it's going to stand up in good situations. But I absolutely, like, for example, their defense against the pass is terrible on first down. And I absolutely expect on Sunday night football that if Dallas is lucky enough to get the lead in Minnesota, which is a very difficult place to play, that that stadium roof refracts the sound noise back onto the field. Very good home field advantage for the Vikings. All the public is coming in on the Dallas Cowboys. But if Dallas does have a lead, watch out for when Minnesota flips the switch and goes pass on first down. Dallas's pass defense on first down is very bad. I absolutely expect Kirk Cousins can put up production on first downs against those guys in the second half the problem is they get too conservative early on in the game they're going to want to run dalvin cook on first down time and time again that's not the optimum way to attack this dallas defense but i still think dallas is for real this season especially when you look at the landscape of the nfc there's just not a lot of second tier teams in a lot of these different divisions that are going to pose legitimate um just uh, ability to contend with those guys
2: yeah, so I'm definitely taking the Vikings. On yeah, Sunday I like the Vikings. <laughs> and uh, my thing on Dallas is always, and I'm, trust me, this is total mm-hmm. bias coming from an Eagles fan, but we've seen it for the last X amount of years. What can go wrong will go wrong with the Dallas Cowboys, and I will just continue to wait and for people to hop on the Dallas bandwagon. But one more quick fun test before we let you go, I'm going to give you two blind resumes, Player A and Player B, and you try and identify the players for me. Oh, you ready? Okay. What position are we Play- talking here? You'll be able to tell. <laughs> Player A has a QBR of 78.3, a passer rating of 127.1, and no interceptions. Player B has a QBR of 63.9, a passer rating of 97.9, and nine interceptions. Who are the two players? Is B Mahomes? B is Mahomes. Is A Cousins? A is Derrick Henry. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. I thought
0: I thought the zero intercept. I guessed Mike White because I knew the zero interceptions
1: had to give a little bit of contact. But Cousins it's playing what, well this year. Good, good, good on Mike Vrabel for breaking out all the tricks. This is what I loved about Dan Campbell too in his approach last week to trying to upset the Rams. Every single game, the goal of this game is to find the quickest path to victory, get a lead at halftime. I don't think enough people realize how. Conducive a halftime lead is to winning games. Too many teams want to play for third down, want to play for the second half, keep things tight, don't make mistakes. That's a loser mentality across the board. Aggression early on in games, aggression early on in downs is what wins games across the NFL. Pull out whatever stops that you need to to get a win. Kudos to Mike Vrabel for doing that. That was a great uh, pass by Derrick Henry. For sure. <laughs>
0: yeah, he did. He did he that, that to my Ravens. He's
1: not. For, all right. Final
0: question because we we have you here. What is the best call that you've ever seen? Best decision you've ever seen that didn't actually go right. So like no one really knows about it. it could be a personnel decision. It could be a play call, a situation. Is there anything that comes to mind of the best decision that only you really know happened because you know the game so well in and out, but everyone's like, oh, that was a horrible play call or that was a horrible decision?
1: Oh man, that's really tough. Um, none that I none that spring to mind. Unfortunately, um, you know, you re, you remember it's part of memory bias. You remember the the catastrophic things that went wrong, or the really great things that went right. Um, the things that should have gone right but barely didn't. Um, that's tough for me to 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 think of right now we'll, we'll get
0: yeah think about that one when we bring you back on
1: jack jack probably thinks it's i was James gonna
2: Struthan i was gonna i don't know on fourth and two against ohio state a few years ago with trace mcs that was
0: do you remember uh, that play warren no do you watch college football a lot or mostly pro not really i'm yeah.
1: mostly nfl although if there's a big game on i'll watch i'll watch penn state ohio state this weekend yeah
0: well i don't know if it's a big game but i'll send you i'll send I, I you the to, clip penn state so. uh it was fourth and two mcsorley's in his heisman years senior season they're playing ohio state down four with uh whatever two minutes left and they run a halfback counter the bad decision out, out, out of the, the shotgun, shotgun you know and it gets tough for a loss of three, and they lose the game. But I showed on the film if they had blocked it properly, the running was it Sanders Abe or it was it was uh, someone else. The, that was that was yeah. Miles Sanders, Sanders last year, but would have ran what the, for forty that's the yards.
2: Comes out of it, Trace McSorley is having his Heisman game. He's putting up three hundred fifty yards. He's beaten Ohio State, the number one or two team in the country and my man james franklin takes the ball out of his hands and and for me that's something that i know maybe i, I would be curious what warren thinks back
1: about that up play. but I would love we'll send it over we'll show you yeah send it to me the hard part is you kind of got to get sense of the flow of the game right. and if they are winning mm-hmm. a certain way before that and then they change it up that is somewhat of a frustration of mine around the league when you are in these tight games and you know they, they, there's Prevent defense, we know, sometimes prevents a team from winning a game because you end up playing too soft. Well, there's also prevent offense, which does the exact same thing. When you're up and you play this prevent offense and you try to think that the clock is more important and you don't end up converting and giving the ball back, we know the rules construct of the NFL. We know the overall caliber of these quarterbacks. It isn't that difficult to march the ball down the field and produce points. And so I do at times want more offenses to play aggressive, uh, more aggressive than what they do late in game situations.
0: Be aggressive. That's the takeaway. Warren Sharp, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. And do you have the Ravens winning the Super Bowl? Are you allowed to say who your current Super Bowl champion is
1: right now? I don't. I actually don't have any. I did not take any team to win the Super Bowl market. And the only reason why I don't ever play in that market before the season starts is because I think it's such a saturated market. Everybody's betting into that market that I'm looking for advantages in other markets surrounding that and less so uh, in that specific market. Makes sense. Where, Warren, where can everyone find you? I'm at sharpfootballanalysis.com is where you can jump on board with uh, any of our analysis or recommendations on a weekly basis. And I'm over at NBC Sports Edge. I do a lot of video over there as well.
0: Awesome. And yeah, we've got a special promo going, Sharp 50, on your site for any snapback listener this week. We gave them the Thursday night winners. Once we deliver the winners, they're going to be coming back for Sunday and Monday night and the rest of the season. Warren Sharp, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, fam, we are back. A reminder, go to Warren's site, sharpfootballanalysis.com. Use the code SHARP50. You'll get 50% off his guide to week eight. And if you want to get the whole season, you can do that as well. I might have to, or we can just try and get him back on the pod <laughs> every freaking does, time. Does Warren Sharp know more about football than
2: Jack Settleman does NFTs? Yes, easily. Warren Sharp knows more about football than I know about my own mother. Which yeah, is a lot. That... Like I'm one of those people. Like I know my mom's age. I know her birthday. I know her phone number. Which like some people oh, yeah. get no, stumped. Warren knows Warren their pass knows something right on about. First step. Warren knows more about football than you. Not you, Jack. You listening to this podcast knows about literally anything in life. That was mm-hmm. the craziest conversation I've had, and I could have gone for three hours getting his analysis. We've never had such. Obviously, because it comes from you. An expert. Right. You and I just literally fart out of our mouths for 45 minutes to an hour twice a week. And that was the most in-depth analysis. And I'm curious how the fam likes that type of analysis, which you (laughs) probably will never get again unless Warren comes on, which he might in the future, uh, from us. But that was awesome.
0: All right, well, let's give the people a little taste of our type of analysis. Bing bong, bing bong. The Knicks are back. We hear, as the kids are saying, three and one on the season. Just a dominating performance over the Philadelphia schmendimy mixers. You guys think? Nope. We're good. Nope. We're deep. Nope. Our best player isn't even playing well. Our superstar young lefty isn't playing well. Kevin Knox. Nerlens Noel is not even on the floor yet, and the Knicks just throttled your poverty city, poverty franchise. You joke of a sports town right now. The Knicks beat the Sixers. The only thing
2: that was valid in any of that statement you just said is your joke of a sports town right now. I'll give you that. The Knicks just flat out cared more about like that was the cutest I didn't know they shut didn't. up Jack, it was the cover of the New York Post that said Bing Bong the streak is dead. You, yeah, still, that's a, you, that, still you can't know that beat wasn't Benchman. actually the cover. Well it was when I saw it on Twitter, and <laughs> if I see it on Twitter, it's true. Um <laughs> but the Knicks just flat out cared more about that game. The Sixers, but they didn't. Oh, they did. They, they did. just
0: made more shots because they have better players. No, we were well, and...
2: getting way open looks. The shots weren't falling. It's October twenty-sixth yesterday when the game happened. I'm listen, man, for, for one of the few times in life, Jack, I'm happy you're happy.
0: As Warren Sharp would say, it's better to get out in front of things a little bit early. And I told everyone preseason, your seventh seed in the East is the average, average Philadelphia 76ers, with of course an asterisk and a a, a, a stip, of course, on Ben Simmons in his situation. But the current roster is the no. epitome of playing weekend on TNT. You guys are not that good. I told you that before. Okay. Last year was an absolute joke, and now teams have adjusted. Embiid, you guard him, you make him. I mean, no, he can't no. even get a field goal in We're the first just, half. Like, wrong. His knees are an issue. Okay, there uh, you go. There you, you go. Have right no there, point and guard. Embiid and has no not been playing guard. well. Defensively, and you guys are not the top defense in the league anymore. Well, we lost it's the just, second
2: runner-up in defensive player of the year
0: right and so there's a lot of issues in philadelphia and as you so perfectly quoted it's fucking very, four games into the year very, shut your mouth very shakespearean of you the sixers are missing one thing right now and it's literally benjamin simmons yeah i mean listen
2: it's four games into the year the nba doesn't start till christmas let's just be honest i'm glad you're having fun We're two and two. Embiid hasn't looked himself. He's already trying to push through a knee, which in October before Halloween, (laughs) that's not a good sign. Um, All signs are pointing to Embiid's going to have some type of blow to his knee and going to have to miss. And at that point, I will chalk it. I will chalk it. But Jack, we are four games into the year. You're focusing on a regular season game in October when there's a guy... In Houston right now, he plays for Atlanta, who just struck out Jose Altuve with a broken leg. Like, let's talk about the important things in life. Charlie Morton, an absolute beast. I don't. I hear enough about football players being tough. Why don't we give a love, little love to
0: the MLB? That yeah, was that awesome. that was crazy. It was also crazy that they ruled him out of the World Series within 30 minutes of, of diet. But I guess that's how bad the injury was. But I'm not really going to let you get away from Nick Sixers that quickly. I know we're four games in. If you don't want to give, if you don't want to agree with me that the Sixers are the epitome of average, which at this point isn't opinion-based, it's fact-based. So that means the Brooklyn Nets are too. You watched? They are. I said that preseason. I said if Kyrie doesn't play, why are we so hype about that team? And I still feel that way. James Harden, no free throws. Some are saying DeMar DeRozan with a beard, but <laughs> <laughs> not me. <laughs> I, feel, not I feel bad always picking on DeRozan because they're, the Bulls are four and zero. But any love for any, the Knicks? Any, any, any love shoot. for the Knicks? No. Like okay. you're cute.
2: You'll have a You'll have. We're a fun cuties. <laughs> Let's
0: go. You're as Let's cute go. as a five seed can be. I don't know, Kemba, Kemba Walker
2: winning a playoff series is a success of a season for the Knicks, and you you
0: could see it happening though. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's huge, honestly, because preseason you had us in the plan, which would have meant play-in plus road playoff series against a top team so no I, think... don't, I actually don't think fuck you no no, no, no no i i saw the all right and the audio has magically been lost for the <laughs> for every word post yes yeah the knicks are good deal with it the bulls good or no like okay let's take the knicks who are three and one the bulls who are four no oh, hornets who are three and one and rank the... them. yeah yeah give me those give me those
2: bulls knicks hornets okay I think you can agree with that.
0: No, but <laughs> uh, I do agree we're better than the Hornets. And I think the Hornets are the worst of the bunch. I think the, the Bulls are weird. They have like this. I think they have like identical vibes to the Suns last year, except like lots of the
2: fucking final.
0: That's my point, except they're built the same way, like almost identically, except that Chris Paul is better than Lonzo and Devin Booker is better than Zach Levine. And they have James
2: Harden without a beard.
0: They do have Harden without a beard. But they have a good team. I like the Bulls. The Bulls play – the Knicks play in Chicago tomorrow night, which will be like 1999 vibes. Um, if,
2: that, if, if the Knicks win that game, that's when you get crazy.
0: Well, it's – the only reason I'm not crazy is because we lost the, a stinker to the Magic. But, like, we should be 4-0 right here, sitting here 4-0. and Sixers should be 3-1. and yeah but your coach sucks that's another thing that people aren't factoring in i mean we mike we make fun of like jason garrett and mike mccarthy and all the, and all these old coaches in the nfl but like doc rivers like he's not really a, th- a future thinker like he hasn't evolved as a coach since 2008 thoughts again, thoughts again halloween
2: hasn't happened right we're but, about- but last
0: year you guys were up in the series right and and he is the king of flowing large playoff lead so i figured this isn't really just a four game sample size with doc
2: it isn't and the uh, 72 game sample size last year put us the first place in the eastern conference
0: fair fair enough um lakers won minus lebron turtleneck lebron coaching thank you all the squid, media outlets. squid game lebron <laughs> yeah <laughs> imagine being so relevant that like oh my god they just post everything lebron does it's insane do you care about this stuff like you're the biggest lebron fan but i feel like you don't even care it's gotten annoying right it's so annoying and it's this you can't even put on lebron it's with with the m words like just stop posting lebron coaching the team like no one cares fly fit though Fly fit, fly fit, fly fit. Fly fit, fly fit, fly fit, fly fit. Ravens are on a bye. Eagles, three point favorites against the Lions. Miles, let's go. Lions, baby. Huge, huge, huge game. Huge game. Uh, Any final thoughts as we head into this Halloween weekend? Um, By the time this
2: comes out, no, the day this comes out tomorrow, Kyler Murray will be getting ready to go 8 0. And the Cardinals are the best team in the NFL and NFL now? because bef- team in the nfl before you had nfc no they're gonna win the nfc but the best team in the NFL. gotcha not the best team ever though
0: no no okay my final thoughts are uh thoughts and prayers to tyrese maxi's ankles oh and we're fucking pounding the vikings money on <laughs> this sunday night pounded. i think it's monday night so we'll have Monday night are you sure He kept saying Monday, you kept saying Sunday. I thought he said Sunday. I think you might have misheard him, but... The good thing about this is I have a cell phone. You do.
2: smartphone that does this type of shit for me. It is Sunday night. Nice.
0: Who's Monday night?
2: Oof. Two of the worst teams in the NFL. Giants and the Chiefs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sunday night football, fam. You heard the lock. We didn't... Technically, select our people's pick them. So let's just let's. By just, the way, just just so we're clear here, he totally likes my picks better than yours. Hundred percent. Yeah, but we didn't have. So who was your pick? Kyler over.
2: Kyler over yards. uh Aaron Jones over yards. You had Rondale Moore
0: over yards. But and he, then but you he had, didn't like more or Rogers. Should we just take a pick two tomorrow? Kyler and Jones receiving. I'll tweet an underdog. I'll say get the freaking lineup you gobble ghouls so we can take a pick too should we go should we just do that for a honda for the people all right all right, all right. i'm gonna send a, both my picks Yikes. both warren's <laughs> picks. <laughs> yeah good good call both, <laughs> both Warrens. these are not us fam this yeah. is the warren's pick them parlor yes which will hit all right and if it loses all him if it wins all us facts that's how it goes snapback fam much love peace